Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Today, I'll be your host, Isabella Frappier. You might be more used to hearing me interview guests or talk with my co-hosts, but today you have me all to yourself. We're doing a special host-only interview, and I'm so excited to talk to you all today. This is my first time doing a host-only interview, so it's just going to be me by myself talking to you all today. So. I'm just going to be pretending that you're all sitting in front of me and I'm just speaking, teaching a class or leading a workshop. And I hope you'll all forgive if I stumble over my words a little bit. I'm really excited to speak to you all. I have been tossing up for months what I want to talk about in my host-only episode. And ultimately I landed on talking about the importance of pleasure. This is such a huge part of my work. It's also a really big part of my personal life and something that's really important to me. I truly believe that pleasure is our guiding compass. Pleasure is our birthright. It's something that we all inherently know. Pleasure is a way to come back to yourself and come back to your body. Children inherently understand the importance of pleasure and they orient themselves towards it. Over the years, we tend to lose sight of this as conditioning comes in. Sometimes this is social or cultural. It can be through magazines, TV, pornography. When I say pornography, you probably think to yourself, like Pornhub or King.com or one of these types of websites, or maybe you're a bit old school and you like the magazines. (laughs) But what I really mean when I say that actually is just a depiction of sex in the media. And it's not an inherently good or bad thing. It just is. And even if it's like a depiction of sex in a rom-com that you're watching, it can still influence the way you think about sex and the way you view sex. I often wonder to myself, what would my sexual expression look like if I just grew up outside of any type of depictions of sex? If I never heard someone on TV or movies or on porn making sounds or pulling faces, what would that look like? What would the authentic expression of your sexuality look like? Something to think about. As I mentioned earlier, children tend to naturally orient themselves towards pleasure. If you give a child a mundane task like helping you clean up in the kitchen or offer to them to say go to a museum or go to the park go play somewhere, 
nine times out of ten they're going to pick play because children know they don't have any of that societal conditioning or that socio-cultural influence, at least not yet, ideally, when they're around that age of like two, three, four years old. It's usually around this time, particularly for little people that have socialized as female, start getting all those influences. So before they have that, they just are these joyful little beings of pleasure. And they often, like you notice if you watch a child eat, they'll just really savor it and enjoy it, or they smash it all over their plate or their faces, but they're just really feeling it. They're just in it. And it's a beautiful thing to see. When children are born with their beautiful little bodies, they're usually remarked on so positively. Though little fat rolls and dimples, people say, oh, look how cute. And there's nothing that comes in the way of that. There's nothing that, there's no impressions people have that mar that, that ability to really see the true beauty of that little person. Unfortunately, what happens over time is that the people around us, influenced by their own social and cultural influences, start affecting your narrative. They start planting the seeds of their own dysfunction, their own discomfort, their own lens even of just the way they view the world into your perfect garden. And they're doing it really with love. You don't have to agree with me on that, but in my view, in my opinion over the years, I truly think that everyone's just doing the best they can. And I think they plant these seeds in your garden thinking that that's what's best. Maybe they think that that's how a woman should behave or that's how a man should behave or this is how sex should be or that gender's binary, all of these things. And they really think they're doing the best that they can for you. But unfortunately, it damages us and it hinders our ability to really understand what our own narrative is. You, dear listener, are just as beautiful and perfect and deserving of all of the good in the world, all of the pleasure that this world has to offer you as you were when you were born. No matter how your body looks today, and no matter how much you like or dislike the way your body looks today, it is just as beautiful and just as perfect as that first day that you were born. And nothing has changed in between now and then about your body and its ability to be deserving of pleasure. Nothing has changed. It's just as beautiful as the first day. All that's happened is those social and cultural influences have come in, they've wormed their way into your beautiful garden and they've planted their own seeds that have grown into flowers and plants and trees being nurtured by those same influences, by the peers that you might have had in school, by partners you might have dated, books you've read, all of these things, they influence your narrative. And when clients come to me for one-on-one support, what I help them do is really walk through that garden. I hold their hand and help them walk through that garden to have someone to point at the flowers and the plants and the trees and say, Did you plant this? Is this you? 
And it's beautiful to have someone support you in that way, but you don't have to have that one-on-one support. This is work you can absolutely do by yourself. And I know that because in a lot of ways I did it by myself and that's what informed the work that I do now. And sometimes maybe you did feel like you planted that seed, but maybe it got watered by the words of your ex-boyfriend. And maybe the sunshine of things that your grandmother said caused it to grow in a way that doesn't feel authentic to you anymore. And that's okay. It's okay to change. In fact, it's really wonderful. There's a beautiful quote I love by Alan Watts, which is that you're under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. And I find this to be so releasing, so relaxing as a message that I hold pretty close to me. You are allowed to grow and change and it's okay if people aren't necessarily the most comfortable with that. That's honestly just all part of the process. Walk through your garden, dear one, and notice what's there. Just without judgment, just observe. Is this of me? Did I grow this? Did I tend this? What still resonates with me? And allow yourself the freedom to lovingly weed and tend to your garden and let it become this beautiful, authentic, radiant expression of who you are as a sexual being, as a sensual being, as a being who just inherently deserves pleasure. Someone who doesn't have to do anything to deserve it. Someone who's already earned the right to feel good in their body, simply by existing. Consider what your sexual education was. Was it silence in your home? Was sex something that couldn't be spoken of? Because when it is, it's very damaging. Silence often is interpreted by children as shame. And I do really think that children are such teachers for us. There's a reason why people don't talk about it and it's about them and it's not about you. You came from sex in one way, shape or form. We know that there's a myriad of ways to come, but it all comes from sex in a way. Even IVF, it's all a form of sex. And what even is sex to you. This is a big part of the work in tending your garden, is really questioning all of the definitions that you have in your life. So few people have actually said, what the fuck is an orgasm? What does that mean to me? What does that look like? In what different forms can it take? Do I have orgasms outside of the bedroom? Maybe you're comfortable having them in bed or in sexually, but what about in other areas of your life? If you have a work meeting that goes really well, does that feel like an orgasm to you? What ways could you bring orgasmic energy through into the rest of your life and not keep it relegated to the bedroom? What's foreplay? What does that mean to you? Is it something that happens only before penetration? Are you putting penetration on a pedestal? 
Is penetration equaling sex to you? What type of foreplay do you have with partners that you don't have with yourself? This is something that's so important. It's such an immense challenge for so many people to have a beautiful, romantic, sexually interesting relationship with themselves. So many people find it easy to buy their partner flowers, light some nice candles, get out the toys, maybe some rope, do some bondage and have a lengthy, beautiful session. Afterwards, they might have some aftercare, talk about what some of the highlights were, maybe some things they could do differently next time. And then when I ask that same person, can you walk me through the last sexual experience you had with yourself? They will seriously say, I've heard it hundreds of times, they'll be like, yep, yeah, uh, it was a Tuesday, finished work, got home, was kind of tired, put some dinner in the oven to heat up, went into my room, grabbed my favourite vibrator, put on some porn, about four or five minutes. I can come really quick, I'm really efficient at that. And uh, yeah, then I went to make dinner. I think, oh my goodness, you're really, really shortchanging yourself. Like there's a time and a place for a quickie, whether it's with a partner or solo. But if you're only ever having quickies with yourself or if you're only ever having sex with yourself one particular way, it's really normal to get bored of that. That is boring. That sounds so boring to me to have sex the exact same way with the exact same person every day for as many days as you've been alive. Of course, that doesn't register as sexually relevant anymore. And when things stop registering as sexually relevant, your arousal and desire system shut down. Then you get into a place of finding sex with yourself boring to the point that you're not even inspired to have any. Then you reach out to people like me and say, help, I think there's something wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with you. Sex with yourself has just stopped being sexually relevant. Do you love Sex Magic Podcast? If so, show us how much by supporting us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash sexmagicpodcast. The other main reason that impacts people's desire to have sex with themselves or to have any type of sex is stress. Stressors build up stress in the body and this massively impacts your nervous system. When your nervous system is activated, what happens is you get into the sympathetic nervous system, which rules your what people call a flight or fight response. Though, just as a tangential sidebar, there's actually a bunch of different responses within that system. It's not just fight or flight. There's also freeze and tend and befriend. And just I think this is relevant to particularly people that are femme is that most people, most femme people respond with tend and befriend to stress to the nervous system. That's why a lot of people, including myself in the past, have gotten into and stayed in abusive relationships. So that's a massive sidebar, but Maybe something we can talk about on a different podcast on another day because I do think it's important to know. All of this stuff, all of this science around arousal, desire, pleasure, sex, 
it's really important because it helps us have, in my opinion, it's important because it helps us have compassion and understanding for ourselves. If you understand what's going on, it's a little bit easier. I'm not going to say it's super easy and it happens overnight, but it can be a little bit easier to be self-compassionate and certainly it can give you tools for moving forward in a more productive and central and wonderful and exciting way. Where was I? Oh yeah, the nervous system. So when you're in the sympathetic, it puts the brakes on your sexual arousal system and it's a whole ability to activate. So when you're under immense stress, unless you're in the small percentage of folks who use sex as a way to move stress through the body, which can also get into, it has its pros and cons. <laughs> I could like, I could go on so many t- tangential sidebars with this topic, but I'm going to try to keep myself focused. Um, but really all these things are really important to me and I hope it's helpful for you, dear listener, to know. But so knowing that, that stress and your sexual relationship with yourself no longer appearing as sexually relevant to your sexual arousal system, which is scanning for sexually relevant contexts, you might think there's something wrong with you that you're not desiring sex and pleasure, desire and arousal, but there isn't. That's just how your body is working and we have to have real loving compassion for our bodies. It's very, very important. Now, knowing all that, you might think, oh, that's very well, Bella. That's well and good, but how do I fix this and come back to a place of pleasure? Now, it's a little bit different for both. With the stress one, you're going to need to do two things. One, try, try anything that you can to alleviate the stresses in your life so you're not building up so much stress in the body. You can also do specific things that help complete the stress response cycles so that you can cope with the stresses better. A couple of the evidence-based ways to do that are exercise is a number one, laughter, crying, joyful expressions and artistic creation, pretty much anything that you wouldn't do if you were running from a lion. That's the way I like to think of it. You're also going to need to slow down and try to find more pleasure in the everyday. This is where Tantra comes in, which is a big part of what I teach. People, when they hear Tantra, they think, oh, like, doesn't Sting have sex for four hours? Like the amount of times I've heard this. Uh, Let's leave Sting out of it, you guys. Tantra is essentially like a type of yogic sexuality and really it's in everything that you could do at every moment of every day. Now I find this really liberating and really helpful because I don't know about you guys but I'm a really busy person and I find it pretty hard to put extra stuff into my day even if it's stuff that in theory I want to do like hang out with my friends, go dancing, go to a yoga class, whatever it might be. So Tantra is a way to bring more pleasure into your everyday life without adding in more time. And in fact, the more you engage with pleasure and Tantra, you will find that your stress response system is lowered and you're feeling a bit calmer and more present overall. And it's sort of like a time warp. It really makes you feel like you have more time in the day and your day is just longer in a good way. 
your whole day has more pleasure throughout every moment of it. I always like to give this example because I think it's really actionable and understandable. But let's say you're you need to have a piece of fruit. You need to have a snack. And you just grab that piece of fruit and you eat it with one hand while you run around the house getting ready to leave or jotting down a to-do list, whatever it might be. You really don't enjoy that piece of fruit. It's just fuel for your body. But if you can eat that piece of fruit a little bit more slowly and savor every flavor, every juicy drop, noticing the different textures, are there any different temperatures, how does it feel in your tongue, suddenly that moment becomes so much more pleasurable. And yeah, it might take another couple of moments compared to running around. But the thing is, multitasking is a little bit of a trick, (laughs) not in a good way. Because when you're multitasking, you feel like you're really efficient. But I'm sure you guys have experienced this. Sometimes you think you're being efficient, but then you realize, actually, I need to do this again because I didn't do it properly the first time. Or if you're anything like me, you start knocking things over and spilling things and then you have to clean them up. So sometimes not multitasking and instead being more single-minded is much more helpful. It can be more efficient and productive, but it's certainly going to bring you more pleasure. I feel like I'm quoting a lot of sayings, but there's another saying that I like, which is an old proverb, which is, before enlightenment, chop the wood. After enlightenment, chop the wood. And there's a lot more to it, and I'm paraphrasing it a little bit, but it really teaches you everything that you need to know which is that enlightenment or pleasure or whatever you want to call it, your your compass, your guiding light, your bigger than. That's what I like to call it, my bigger than. It really is this amazing tool to bring more time and energy and resources into your life. And when you focus on pleasure, what you do is you keep this little pilot light in your belly simmering away. This is a tool that I use with clients, but you can think of it any way you like. I think of mine super literally as an actual pilot light, like you might see on a gas heater, a little flame right in my belly, kind of at my sacral chakra actually, like right in between my sex organs and my belly button. And I imagine it's a little flame in there. And these tools of pleasure and mindfulness and yes, tantra, they help keep that flame simmering. Now, again, I want you to come to this space with complete observation and non-judgment. It's okay if your pilot light gets blown out. We all have days that are busy or stressful or unexpected stresses that are really immense, like the loss of a family member or whatever it might be, and it blows our pilot light out. And for me, honestly, just being not mindful and not present for a whole day is can honestly be enough to blow mine out and I've been doing this work for a really long time so when you notice yours gone out come to it from that self-compassionate place not judgment you don't go oh god my pile light's gone out this again I'm not taking good care of myself you just say okay okay I'm noticing my pilot light's gone out what do I need to do to bring myself back in to a sexual relationship and some good pleasure in my body Do I need to take a bath? Do I need to go for a walk? Should I put on 
my favorite song and just let my body move, whatever it might be, but bring that pilot light back on. Now, part of why pilot lights are so important is if you don't have an awareness of your pilot light, if you don't have an awareness of your simmering sexual energy or of yourself as an erotic being, because really that's what we're talking about, being an erotic being and really witnessing and being aware of that in yourself. If you don't have that, when it comes time for sex, whether that's with a partner or with yourself, you're probably not going to be super interested in it. Or even if you are, it's more like, oh yeah, I'm open to being inspired into that. Not so much, yes, sex, let's do it now. I'm excited. I'm ready. So when you have a pilot light, you keep it simmering, let's say, at a two or three. And then when you're ready and excited to have some sex, when it's the time, whether that's with yourself or with someone else, it's easier to get yourself into that energetic space because you're already a little bit of the way there. You've already got your foot in the door. Now, it's so important to prioritize having sex with yourself. Pleasure is a beautiful way to show up for yourself. It is a profound statement that you matter, that you are important. And tapping into your pleasure is a way to channel energy. You can use it to feel what is and isn't working. If you want to know more about that, I highly recommend reading my article at Sex with Emily on mindful masturbation, where I give some advice on how to use it for decision-directed pleasure. And it's also an important way to protest the productivity is self-worth narrative. Now, what I mean by that is that we live in a capitalist culture, This, particularly in America. This isn't a surprise for anyone, hopefully. And pleasure is just purposeless play. It's not a way that you can make money. Or, well, actually, that's not true. It is absolutely a way you can make money. But what I'm talking about is sex just as purposeless play, not as a vehicle for making money, which is awesome and cool, and get your money. But when you prioritize just having sex with yourself as a way to show up for yourself, it's this beautiful statement that you matter and your pleasure is important outside of a capitalist culture. It also helps boost. In in the poly community, there's an expression called new relationship energy or NRE, and it's that feeling you get whether you're in the poly community or not, it's that feeling that you get when you're in a new relationship and you feel like, oh, this is so exciting and you want to give them your focus and attention. Bringing back interest and sexual relevance and good context to your solo sex life boosts your new relationship energy with yourself. So buying some fun toys, learning shibari, whatever feels exciting to you, bring that back into your solo sex life. And if you need tips on that, I've written so many articles on the subject, particularly if you just go to sexwithemily.com, type in my name, you'll find a ton of them. So what I really want you to take away from this today is that pleasure and mindfulness really go hand in hand. And I truly don't know that we can have one without the other. So If your disconnect from your sexuality is to do with stress or it's to do with a lack of sexual context, both both avenues can be healed by walking slowly and gently towards pleasure. And I do usually recommend doing that first outside of the bedroom. So 
through self-care and I have a beautiful self-care guidebook on my website if you need support with that but through self-care like baths massages dance volunteering healthy eating all of these things and really slowing down and using mindfulness so that you're a hundred percent present and awake to what you're doing meditation is also a very very powerful tool even if you don't combine in even if in your mind you don't combine the meditation itself with sexuality which you absolutely can do but even if you don't combine them even if you feel like you're keeping them separate having a mindfulness practice having a meditation practice really enriches your sex life because it helps teach you about being present being in the moment engaging in all your senses it also helps complete those stress response cycles that i was mentioning earlier so it is a really important tool Speaking of, before we part ways today, I would really like to just kind of get a little bit more clear on some of the different tools that you can use to support your nervous system, nourish your sexuality, and really engage with yourself. So these are just a few of my favorites, but you can really try anything you want. So my number one favorite is dance. You don't have to be any type of specific dancer to do it. You don't even need to have a lot of mobility. You can honestly dance by just sitting and softly moving your shoulders or your hands or your ankles. Dance can be a beautiful way to embody your emotions through movement. Grounding practices are also really helpful. So going outside, putting your bare feet on the earth if possible if that's not possible and available to you, just being really present to where the points of your body touch the ground, even if that's not the literal earth, even if you're nine feet up in an apartment building, feel the relationship that your body has with the ground. Not just dance, any type of exercise is very helpful, particularly for completing those stress response cycles, as well as stretching and yoga and any type of sort of embodiment practice massages reiki craniosacral therapy any type of body work is very helpful slow deep breathing mindfulness and meditation one of my other tools that i really like sharing with clients and i would love to share with you today is called holding the bones and it's the practice of gently squeezing and holding your bones with a firm grounding steady touch you can do this to yourself or have someone else do it to you i like to start with doing each wrist then each elbow then each shoulder and then when i move to the hips you want to put your thumbs sort of on the front of your pelvis and your hands on the back and then gently push down on your pelvic bowl i'm doing it now while we're talking And then you can move to your knees and your feet and ankles. Maybe I'll do an Instagram live on that so you guys can see me do it in person, but hopefully you can imagine what I'm saying. Um, What else? Uh, Beautiful, positive social relationships and interactions. So anyone in your community, whether that's friends and family, volunteering, animals, anything like that is good. Um, Singing, chanting, definitely laughing. Laughing's a big one. Time in nature is probably one of the biggest ones for me, and I wonder if it is for you too. Particularly people who identify as spiritual or witchy are often really recharged by being in nature, so 
that's a really important one for me. Hmm, what else can I think of that might be helpful to share with you? Um, this is one for more people that want to connect with their feminine energy. But one of the things I really like doing is wearing really flowing garments instead of tight ones. That can be a really, really helpful tool for pleasure, but really, and particularly nurturing that yin, that feminine energy, but particularly noticing the sensation of fabrics. So if I'm feeling stressed, I'll adorn myself in really nice silks and really luxurious clothes that I love wearing. So I really recommend that. And then on the other hand, on the hand of the masculine, the young, I recommend doing grounded, seated meditation practices. So stillness and alignment is very good for nurturing their masculine. Also, ritual baths, that's something that I love to do. You'll find a lot of that on my Instagram. Um, oh, music. I should say music, definitely. Music is an important one. Journaling, writing poems, just tools that help embody your emotions and also help them move through you. It's going to really help connect you back with your sensuality. And if there's one thing that you take away from this whole podcast, it's just slow the fuck down. We all are just racing through life at such a frenzied pace and it's really hard to connect into pleasure when you're behaving in that way. So if there's nothing else you take from this, try to just even spend an hour, but hopefully a whole day, of just consciously slowing down. Slow your words, slow your movements, slow your eating and the way you chew. Just slow it all down and reconnect with yourself. Tend to that beautiful garden. Just observe what's there, what needs to be watered, what needs to be weeded, what needs to be tended to, and return to yourself as a sovereign being of pleasure, one who's inherently deserving and doesn't need to do anything to earn it. Hey there, Tosca here. So I wanted to take a quick moment to share with you all about how you can support the Sex Magic Podcast. If you haven't already, you should follow us on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. Pretty much everything is under Sex Magic Podcast. You can also find us at sexmagicpodcast.com and we have all of our links there. But most importantly, we recently launched our Patreon and it's really important to support us because our collective of co-hosts offers a diverse perspective on sex and magic. Though we each come from various backgrounds and cultures, our unifying passion is to empower and explore sexuality, spirit, and the occult in a safe and approachable environment. Each week, we offer a new episode on a fresh subject in the realm of spirituality and sexuality. We interview a variety of guests, from authors to psychologists to witches and beyond. We strive to share content that is educational, inspirational, and mystical. So join us on our journey through sex magic by supporting the work we do. Every dollar goes towards propelling us forward and will allow us to continue creating podcasts. By supporting our podcast, you'll join our community and be part of the conversation. Our Patreon patrons will gain access to various resources, rituals, recipes, and behind the scenes access. 
With more funding for our Sex Magic podcast, Coven can dedicate more time to crafting sacred offerings to our supporters, sex magic courses, videos, spell books, and we really would love for you to be part of our sexy little coven. So I also wanted to take a moment to shout out a few of the patrons we have so far. Shout out to Melina Beatrice and to Meredith Andrews. Thank you so, so much. And also a shout out to my boyfriend and to my mom. Thanks y'all for supporting. It means a lot. <laughs> so follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our website, and support us on Patreon. We love you and we want to continue offering these amazing podcast episodes and we're so grateful to do that and have your support.